culture, society. On every street and around every bend lies a world positively overflowing with both. But sometimes we can all use a night in, removed from the endless spiral of chaos and absolute nonsense that waits outside our doors. And for those nights, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop local stores and compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get your favorite drinks delivered to your door in under 60 minutes. All from the comfort of your couch. Because society is great, but it doesn't have your couch. And it's windy out. And you forgot your jacket. And oh my God, would you look at the line at that place? Are you serious? I... (sighs) So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Oh, hi, it's me, Zach Peter, and welcome to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. I have a great guest on today. He's a fellow podcaster, and I can't wait to dive into all the dish and the tea. I've also got many more guests to be coming all summer long. But if you tuned into last week's Instagram Live on Thursday night, which I do every Thursday, 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern, PM, um, you'll know that I made a very special announcement, and that's that I launched my own canned summer rosé that is housewives inspired. I designed four different cans. It's one light, crisp, delicious rosé in four fun designs that are designed around the most, some of my favorite, most iconic moments on the Real Housewives franchise. That's why I'm calling this my housewives watching wine. So I have this one that says, I'm ready to mention it all, inspired by New York. I have one that says, now tell me who go and check me, boo, inspired by Atlanta. I have, now I'm ready to flip a table. And then I have another one called, I Stole Kim's Goddamn House, inspired by Beverly Hills, that iconic finale. I'm so excited to launch this new wine brand that I've had to like keep a secret for several months now. Um, It's just, it's fun and it's perfect for summer. I made sure that the rosé was light, crisp, a little fizzy, less than a gram of sugar, lower in sulfites than your regular conventional wines. I made sure it was organic. That way we can have all the fun tonight without having to worry about a gnarly wine headache tomorrow. And don't worry, you're still going to have fun tonight because I made sure these babies had 12.8% alcohol. Boom. It's going to get you lit and you're going to have a great time. The cans are so fun. Like you have the, the, the design in the front on the side, I put a little tagline that says, I may spill the tea, but I'll never spill my wine. And then on the side, you can see my little face and the hashtag no filter. So I'm so excited to launch these. They're so delicious. They're so yummy. It's perfect for summer. And I can't wait to watch all of these housewives. We're going to sip some wine together and spill some tea together all summer long. Limited edition on sale at nofilterwine.com starting June 10th. You can go to nofilterwine.com right now to sign up for email updates so that you get first dibs when they're officially on sale. But stay tuned. June 10th, June 10th, June 10th. I can't say it anymore. This June 10th, my housewives watching wine, no filter wine officially goes on sale. These adorable, cute little cans are going to be so much fun. And I can't wait to share them because it's yummy. And I can't wait to see all the fun photos that you're going to put together. And yeah, we're going to watch these housewives and spill that tea and just have a great time mentioning it all.
You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at Just Plain Zach. I always keep it funny, and I always keep it cute. And if you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, go and give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram. Or you can always join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. I'm so excited to be taping the show today because... I'm getting a little litty city now that my new limited edition summer rosé has launched. It's my housewives watching wine. Tonight I'm drinking the one that says I'm ready to flip a table because after that Jersey reunion last week, I'm about ready to flip a table. And I don't know if it's going to be on Marge or if it's going to be on Jen, but we're going to be breaking it all down today. So get ready. June 10th, the wine launches and you're going to want to stock up on it because it's fucking delicious. And it's a summer rosé, which is perfect for the coming months. Now, we have so much tea to dish on, so much tea to spill, and so many hot opinions that sometimes may be popular, sometimes may be unpopular, but even if they are, hopefully, I mean, everything always sounds better with the sexy accent, right? And if you're Australian and you got the sexy Australian accent, you know, when I'm giving an unpopular opinion, I figured I might as well bring somebody that's going to be easy on the ears as the eyes, kind of like a, what is it, ASMR, but like for all of the senses. So please welcome the host of the very popular, unpopular podcast, Mr. Jacques Peterson. Oh my God, thank you so much for having me on. That intro was epic. I love that. I love a compliment and congratulations on the wine line. I'm like so jealous. Aw, thank you. I'm excited to have you on because I know I've heard from Jess from Hot Takes and Deep Dive. She's like, you're going to love you're going to love Jacques because he doesn't hold back. He has very strong opinions and he just mentions it all. Oh my God. I, I'm a mess. Yeah. <laughs> I love Jess and shout out to her. She, um, she said that you're amazing. She was like, Oh my God, you're doing Zach's show. He's such a professional. His show is so fun. And you know, I've seen your show for a really long time on like YouTube and everything. Mm. So I'm just excited to be here. You're like the nice one and I'm the evil one. I think this will be fun. <laughs> Listen, I don't know if that, I mean, I have my moments. I have my moments. You should read some of my YouTube comments. I I definitely, <laughs> like, especially with the whole, like, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Erica Jane stuff. Like, people, I had one woman who was, like, in my DMs the other day, like, just, like, trying to rip me apart. And I was like, mm, okay, you need to calm down. This is not that serious. These are housewives. It's reality TV. The Beverly Hills fans are psychotic. I cannot do Oh my God. They're just off the charts. I actually was just recording my episode for my show like yesterday. And I just went on this rant about the Beverly Hills fans and how they're like in a cult. And I'm guilty of it too, because that show just gets under everyone's skin, like none other. So I get fired up about it too. And then I get mad when other people are like mad at me about it. It's just very intense. Don't you think? Oh, 100%. I feel like it's not even just Beverly Hills. I feel like every franchise has like their cult following and they are like are loyal. Well, I guess not all of like LVP definitely has like oh. hardcore die hard stands that will like rip you apart. But then I'm thinking like Bethany, Ramona, Luent, like they don't have hardcore fans like that. Teresa Judice does. Her fans she- will tear you apart. 
Teresa does. I still, th- I think the Lisa Vanderpump fans are the worst ever. And they seem to like, now that Lisa Vanderpump's gone, they migrate onto a new housewife. So they kind of then went around Denise and now they're sort of around Garcelle. It's like, yeah. and they won't go away. They were like, we're not going to watch without Lisa Vanderpump. And then they just hung around and they just like get behind someone else. Cause they're so, they're so fixated on like bringing like Kyle down. They're so obsessed with it that anyone that seems sort of against Kyle, they just will like get, get behind it's crazy. It really is. Um, I mean, I'm doing a full deep dive into the Beverly Hills premiere and obviously what's to come this season with Ryan Bailey this Wednesday. But I want your kind of brief thoughts on the premiere from last week. Did you love it? Did you hate it? Do you hate Lisa Rinna? Do you hate Erica Jane? How are your uh, how are you feeling? Lovely Serena, one of my favorites, obsessed with her. I've always loved her. I've loved her from her soap days, just everything she does, like Days of Our Lives, Melrose Place, Beverly Hills. I'm a stan. Uh, I enjoyed the premiere. I always like a Housewives premiere because it's just, it feels fresh. There's like, you know, new people, new things are going on. And then it's kind of like you get about six episodes in. And I'm like, this is so boring. Like, I have to stop watching this. So I always start off positively. Uh, I didn't like. Um, I didn't like Garcelle bringing up the Denise stuff. I feel, I felt very um, pandering to Twitter to me, like Beverly Hills is sort of notorious for the, for the women reading Twitter and then adjusting their behavior to, to like, you know, match that. So I was a bit like, Oh my God, but no, I'm excited for it. I think it'll be good. I think so too. How are you feeling about Erica? Um, You know what? So I was an Erica, I, I was an Erica Stan from like even before Beverly Hills, just because I liked her music. All the gays like you know knew the ah. <laughs> the Erica Jane bops. So I've always enjoyed her. Yes, I think she's a horrible person. I don't really care. But as far as the the case goes, honestly, I'm just like waiting for the verdict on it. Like because you know the big question is, well, did she know what Tom was doing, or was she just sort of like off doing her own thing and like had no idea? Whatever the verdict of the court cases i'll believe you know i'm not going through like the minutiae of everything and i'm just you know whatever (laughs) that's kind of how i like i want to see how it all plays out and i've been following it i've been doing deep dives interviewing lawyers like really trying to understand all of it and from what i've gathered i don't know one i don't think she's going to be going to jail i don't think she's going to be criminal she hasn't been criminally charged with anything like i feel like like you said a lot of some of the fans are so intense that they're like she needs to it's it's orphans and widows orphans and widows but it's also just like i'm sure what i see in her head is that in her mind she was just as much duped as they were but i think she lacks the self-awareness of being like but your lifestyle was built off of money like whether you knew or not what your husband did was so wrong that like have some even if you feel like he cheated you and you think that you're the scapegoat or whatever the case she's trying to make right now at least at some point have like some ounce of humility but I don't think she's as guilty as we want her to be yeah, look, two things on that. 100% agree. I think she has like a sensitivity chip missing. She has no empathy. No. And she's probably like a raging narcissist yeah. and God knows what else. So totally agree with you there. You know, I was talking to someone the other day and I was re-watching the Woody Allen movie Blue Jasmine with Kate Blanchett. Uh, and she's like this rich housewife. Uh, she's married to Alec Baldwin and he's like a stock guy or a business guy or something. And she loses everything and because he was doing shady business dealings and basically in that movie it's kind of like 
Kate knew that something shady was going on, but it was like ignorance is bliss. And she yeah. sort of chose not to look at it. And I feel like Erica, and I feel like, look, this is like rich people, a lot of rich people in this general. This is Beverly Hills. I live yeah. in, I'm born and raised in this city. That's how all of these, they're like, I don't give a shit if my husband is fucking prostitutes or cheating children out of their candy. As long as I can keep my head in the sand and not know about it, as long as my credit card doesn't get declined, I don't give a shit. And that's their yeah, mentality. I saw, I, I think that's exactly with Erica. I think she probably assumed that she, but I feel like she probably thought, oh, he's fudging his taxes or yeah. something like something like that. I'm, there's no way in my mind that she knew that it was like, you know, orphans and widows. So whatever. I mean, yeah, she's a horrible person, but I, I don't think she knew that she was exploiting yeah. Burns victims. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, come on. You wouldn't be going on national television, flashing your money, knowing where that money was coming from. I don't think she would have ever done the reality show had she really known. She would have really tried to keep things under the mm. carpet. And yep. I think he allowed her to do that because his ego was so big because you look at how much power and influence he had in Los Angeles that I don't think he ever thought he would get caught. Yeah, and he probably liked the idea of having this flashy, famous wife to kind of show off. It's just all an ego trip for these well, people. Well, you would hear that he would have these, there would be these galas with all the judges and other lawyers, and then he would screen her music video. Like, he would have an opportunity <laughs> to have stage time, and he would use that opportunity to screen her music videos. Like, that's where his head was at. And then the whole time he was fuck, he was banging Trisha Bigelow and buying her a new ass. <laughs> Let's talk. I know, right? Let's talk about Real Housewives of New Jersey. We had the first part of the reunion, which I thought was really good. Lately, I feel like these past two years, I've been underwhelmed by reunions because there's nothing new. We're just rehashing everything we saw during the season. But I actually enjoyed the first part of this reunion. Thoughts, feelings, vibes. Yeah, so I got, I, I don't like the Housewives of New Jersey very much. Like I really, without Danielle Staub, for me, it's like there's no show. Like I kind of think that she and Joe Gorga are the two only interesting people in that franchise. Everyone else I don't care about. So I actually stopped watching Jersey halfway through because I'm like, this is so boring, I can't deal. But I watched the reunion and I thought the reunion was excellent. It was so interesting because they really broke the fourth wall a lot where they were addressing people that were doing things for storylines and stuff you know going behind the scenes and I'm like this is this reunion is like better than the whole season so really good reunion how are you feeling about Jennifer I feel like 80% of the audience is like Stan she's the best she's calling out Melissa she's calling out Marge I personally love Jennifer but at this reunion I feel like she really pushed it a little too hard in some instances I can't stand Jennifer, have never liked her at all. I knew that, like, I've seen the fandom around her, like, growing slowly because I see what everyone's doing on Housewives Twitter. So I knew that the fans were going to be, like, backing her. I just think she's so gross and obnoxious. Um, She is very good at a reunion. Like, she comes really prepared. Like, I'm not going to act like she doesn't have good shade and stuff at the reunion. Like she kills it. Cause I think she studies for the reunion. Like yeah. I think she's there with notes coming up with. She doesn't have a job. She has nothing else to do. Yeah, exactly. As Marge would say, I think she reads everything on Twitter. The fans like gas her up in her head. Um, she does what Teresa says, you know, I can't respect anybody that is just like turns a blind eye to everything Teresa does to keep this spot on the show. Like, I think it's kind of pathetic. And I feel like with like Jackie and Margaret, like I get why people don't like them. I didn't like Margaret for a long time, even though I always agreed with her, but I just something about her I didn't like, but I've kind of become a fan now as of this season. I feel like you can kind of dislike Jackie and Margaret, like just 
personally, but I feel like they're technically, they're usually like right about everything. You know what I mean? But it's just yeah. that Teresa and Jennifer have the, the big personalities and they're good at fighting and everything. So people kind of like stand them because they're good at that. But I, I just don't like her at all. Do you think that Jen exploits her family for storylines? Oh, absolutely. 100%. Like, I'm so glad someone fought because I was saying it for a while. The first season, my daughter's being bullied. The second season, which that second season, honestly, when she dragged her mum out to do the thing with the gay brother, I actually thought that was in really poor taste. You know, I'm yeah. like, this This woman is, where are they from? Like Turkey or something? Yeah. Um, she, you know, she's a, she's what's in her seventies. She's a Turkish immigrant. I'm sure she's not down with the LGBT like we are. You know what I mean? Like, she still loves her son yeah. and I just don't put it out on that's like crossing. That's like, wow, you're really putting something out there. Well, because you put it on camera, it's being filmed. So it's like, even if she's not ready to do that, she feels the pressure to be like, and you saw it on camera where she's like, I don't, I didn't know that he was gay. Like, and it's just yep. such an uncomfortable position. Like with me, I know with my family, there were four years where we filmed a documentary about our family. And I remember going into it. I told the producers, I was like, you can pick apart anything with me. You can exploit anything. You can show my asshole if I let you into my shower, like whatever. But like when it comes to my family, like I need you to like have respect and boundaries. And if you need me to show my asshole to make up for their lack of screen time, I'll do that. But like, you know, I need you to, if I'm going to be signing up for this, then, you know, this is what I'm exposing myself to. So I think when you drag your family into it, and that's only through lessons that I had to learn by over exploiting my own family and then realizing oh that's maybe not the best approach to take and I think with Jennifer I get what she's saying with like well my life is my family but at the same time you also have to understand that like even if your family agrees to film the show with you that doesn't necessarily mean that they're willing to open up all of their lives I I absolutely agree with that. It's it's a fine line because it is, it's like, well, that's, if her reality is her family, she's obviously very family oriented. I think it's because it's the, look, the people that she's been putting on of her family, the parents are really old. So do they even fully get it? Like this is a yeah. whole different world. So, and then as well with the daughter, it's like the daughter was very young and then she's putting the daughter to come on talking about bullying and the daughter was like 11 or something. And the brother, I kind of get, the brother's like the same age. I'm sure he looked like he wanted yeah. to sort of be on camera. So I'm kind of okay with that, but it's just the the one, the certain, you know what I mean? It's just, I don't know, putting your parents out there and it's clearly for a storyline on the show. And she, now she's done it three seasons. So it's not just one, every single season, it's like different family member and their issue. And I'm showing it, but it's like, well, what's really going on with you? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, no, I get that. Cause like you look at Jackie's first season and she put out her business with her sister where like, she's like, I'm not talking to my sister, but I'm trying to have a relationship with her. And we would see her have like phone calls with her sister, but her sister never appeared on the show and we never really had to we didn't need to see her sister's perspective or point of view we got it because Jackie was the housewife and it was her experience and point of view with Jennifer it's not like even with her gay brother like it's that was that had nothing to really do with her specifically yep. or her marriage like it was the brother and then we brought the mom on camera and then we ambushed the mom on camera so it's like <laughs> no. you know it's and then we have the daughter there to ambush the mom on camera and it was it was a little too close for comfort and i would like to see more of her life or her marriage to bill um 
But I love Jennifer. I think sloppy Jennifer is hilarious to watch. I think she delivers such great lines. Like when she told Melissa, you know, my family is my reality. This is showing my real life. Like maybe you should try it sometime. Like that was a great line. Like she knows how to deliver on her lines. She does. But I want to say she knows how to deliver the lines at the reunion. She kills it at the reunion. I think during the season, I don't think she's funny. I don't think she's charismatic. I don't think she's witty. Like she doesn't... I nothing during the season then when it comes to the reunion it's like she kills it and of course we all want to see melissa called out because melissa's fake storylines is so so frustrating although i do actually i believe joe and melissa this season that that stuff was real between them especially when they kind of clarified it at the reunion when they talked about the issues between them i actually do believe it now but it was like the boy who cried wolf because it's like well you actually faked so many storylines for so long but now everything you do we just assume is is a story and i believed that they were doing it for a storyline I think up until the finale and then that's when I realized I think there really is tension um and even if it wasn't what they were intending to bring up like I think they were dancing around the idea of having marital problems earlier in the season and then it kind of just got out of control and then we really saw their marital issues on full display and Dolores even confirms it at the reunion where she's like no it was a lot worse than what you actually saw on the show um I don't even think they really are into each other I think they're just staying together for the show at this point wow yeah I Melissa's growing on me, I will say, which is funny because I was like, oh my God, she's so boring and everything. And I don't know, I I enjoyed her at the reunion. I did enjoy that dynamic because like I said, that broke the fourth wall because it was about her being on the show. And then how does that affect her relationship? And I think, like I said, Joe Gorga outside of Danielle Staub is like the most entertaining person on that show. Like he's a, ama- it should be switched. It should be like, he's the main one. And like Melissa's the <laughs> the partner, you know what I mean? Like I would actually be happy if they did that and they made an exception for Jersey. Let's talk the big shot with Bethany Frankel on HBO max. First on a scale of one to 10, one being the worst, 10 being the best. How would you rate the series overall? Now that we've had all seven episodes, a finale, a winner, the whole shebang. Um, well, I've got to give it two ratings because there's how do I look at it like objectively and then how do I look at it for my like personal enjoyment? Like my personal enjoyment is like was maybe like an eight and a half. How I rated objectively as a show was more maybe like a four or five. Um, it was, you know, it felt to me almost like, a uh like a pilot or something that you needed to kind of bring in and then a big producer would come in and like kind of fix it up (laughs) like so it was like half baked but I that also made it good because it was quite unconventional in many ways like it really didn't have a traditional structure it was like anything can happen you know um and I just think it needed a bit of polishing though to like take it to the next level where it needed to be I agree if we're breaking it up into two parts I would say for enjoyment's sake, it was I would give it an eight out of ten. And then in terms of objectively looking at it, I would maybe give it like a six out of ten. I don't think it was completely terrible, only because I feel like the train wreck and the unhinged messiness of it all is what kept you wanting to come back for more. Being like, well, yeah. what what does this look like? I mean, the fact that like, okay, if anybody hasn't watched it yet, spoilers are coming. But like the fact that like she would bring Brody back and then fire Brody and then like I mean, and the ending was so predictable. The fact that she ended up picking Maloxie was like the most predictable way it was going to end anyway. I thought it was such a 
hot mess, but it was also a breath of fresh air because I feel like reality TV has become so predictable at this point. Um, which is why I was hoping for a better finale. I thought the finale was probably their worst episode um, in comparison to all the other six episodes because I just felt like it was the final challenge was terrible. Um, well, <laughs> terrible. And and then I, I thought about it afterwards and I was like, maybe it's really a smart business move. It's a terrible television reality show move, but maybe it's actually smart in terms of promoting this fucking rosé. But like, how do you bring three people in and you're like, I have a rosé. I just fucking look, Jock, I just launched my own rosé brand. <laughs> I understand what it takes to pull a brand together to launch a rosé. And for her, she's like, I have a rosé, but like, I don't know what the mission statement is. I don't know what the company is. I don't know anything about it. I don't know this brand. I know Skinny Girl, but I don't know this brand. So the three of you pitch me three different ideas on what you think this company should be. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Like as an entrepreneur, as a businesswoman, like how do you then put that into somebody else's hands? Well, that was, there's no way though she was actually using whatever the winning thing. I mean, it was just no. like write a press release. <laughs> Yes, because the bottle was already complete. The logo, the fact that they blurred out the logo and the name, like the it was done. The product was done, packaged, marketed, whatever. But it, here's where I think it was smart because she then had these three women with three three women of color with three incredible stories, the tear jerkers, the whole shebang, who then would come and put their ideas into what they believed the the brand was going to be. And if you really think about it, we didn't get to really dive into what their mission statement was or what they thought the brand was. Like we kind of glossed over that and focused so much on the part. So in the end, once she actually announces and launches it, you think this is like Maloxie's like coming from her heart, taking care of her kids. Like this is her brand and, and what she helped Bethany put together. And uh, I don't know. I had so many. I thought the finale was terrible. It was a mess. It was bad. The 50th birthday party looked so unfun. Um, the show itself was great. The finale was terrible. The The winner was predictable. Um, but I think it's smart in terms of setting her up for a second season. Oh, I don't think there's going to be a second season at all because this show made no noise. The only people that cared about it were just some housewives fans, fans yeah. that bothered to go out of there. There's no way that if this gets a second season, I'll be shocked. I would like it to have a second season. Um, also, I just wanted to add, let's just take into account that the finale was bad and that was the first episode without dj nicole rose she was the breakout star of this show so <laughs> i feel yes, like was. that was part of the reason because without rose this i think rose like carried a lot of this show outside of bethany and how do you launch a rose brand without dj rose <laughs> like that was another big miss on bethany's part. Um, I didn't even think of that. Oh my God. Can you imagine? And then with like Rose's like full on like personality, can you imagine how like over the top she would have been with it? And like, this is my name. This is my brand. Like it would have been so funny. Um, yeah. I, I would like the show to come back though, but I don't think it will. And I wouldn't be against them. Um, look, if it's low budget enough, because this looked like it was all, this just was very like low one, budget. Like it's you filmed can in like tell. one room, the whole, the, the whole, whole thing. Um, I would love it if they were doing like the big shot with candy, the big shot with like, they just had a different kind of like reality mm. entrepreneur sort of person in. Um, I don't think yeah, she would, would ever allow that though. 
yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, ha- unless HBO own it, but just knowing the way that Bethany is, I'm sure she owns the, this show because I don't think she would do anything that she didn't have like ownership over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would love if they could put some like different people in each season. That would be fun to me. Yeah. When I said that I would see her setting it up for a second season, I don't know if it will get picked up again. I don't know if it was worth HBO's. I mean, aside from like a small fraction of Housewives fans that actually tuned in and were interested and the hard part is she tries to disconnect from that so much that I don't know if that will even carry the show. But what I think she was doing with the finale and with this rosé is she already picked her VP or her right-hand man for Skinny Girl, but now she has this new rosé business, which she was very clear in her confessionals that, like, this is a separate brand outside of Skinny Girl. So this is her way of being like, I have this next business that now looks like I need a VP or a second hand or a head of whatever to help run this business. So I think in her mind, it was a forward-thinking move. Whether or not that'll happen... I think the execution of the show is what will be her biggest Achilles heel. Well, look, I said this on Jess's podcast, but I, I don't think it's a real job. I don't think it's a real VP. No, job. I, don't I don't think, think it is it at is, all. But it's it's not a VP. It's not some VP of operations. It's a it's flyer like some, for her business. It's a marketing yeah. tactic. Everything was a commercial. And I also think that, and because you brought up that she's so desperate to distance herself from Housewives, which she is, and it's so stupid. The show should have been on Peacock because that's who wants to watch it. Like people on HBO Max don't want to watch The Big Shot with Bethany. They're not going to scroll through and go, I'm going to watch this. It's like Housewives fans that have gone out of their way to seek it out. So it should have been on Peacock or even just Bravo, the main Bravo, if they would have it on there. And then at least you're getting that audience and you're getting more of that exposure. But I would love to know the streaming numbers. I don't think many people watched it. It didn't even get much press because I Googled it like quite often. I would put Big Shot with Bethany in Google News, like fucking nothing was coming up. I don't think it it got any press. And if you, and another big indicator of whether or not the show is successful is how many people leave the show after watching it to follow the personalities they see on the show. The only two breakout stars I saw, aside from Maloxi, who was the winner... And I wouldn't even really classify her as a breakout star, but it would be DJ Rose and Brody. And Brody was really kind of just thrown in and out of it, but he had enough of a presence that made him memorable, which is yep. why I think she brought him back after the first episode and why I thought it was so stupid of her to fire him in the first episode because even just as a reality star herself, you know what talent is going to get you to the end. You know what I mean? Well- that's what was so strange about it was because she would fire those people that would be good personalities. So it's like she almost was taking it seriously like a job thing. It was like, I don't care if you're good on TV. Did you fail the challenge or not? I think in her head, she was the biggest star on the show, which she was. And you see that. And that's why you don't have any other breakout stars in this competition series is because she wanted to be the head honcho. She wanted to be the main star. Yeah, and you know what? It was probably a producer that said keep Nicole Rosé in. She probably wanted to fire Nicole at the start oh, yeah. too, and someone probably went, look, we need, we need Nicole, guys. Like, <laughs> you can't get rid of her. Yeah, I'm pretty sure a producer is the one that saved Nicole and kept Nicole for so long. <laughs> and yep. probably fucked up Nicole's notes on purpose. To- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to get her out. They were like, we can't have- Nicole's got to win now. <laughs> Someone's- we got to do something. Right. 
Let's talk The Hills, New Beginnings. I was a fan of the OG Hills. Loved it. Watched all of it. Loved Lauren. Obsessed with Kristen. Went on to watch Very Cavallari. Watched The Hills 10-year reunion special. How do you feel about, now that we just started the second season, how do you feel about this reboot, so to speak? Um, okay, so two things. I'm a Heidi and Spencer fanatic. Like, they're like my all-time favorite celebrities, pretty much. Like, oh. a, a, like I'm weirdly obsessed with them. So, like, anything they do, like, I will watch. Um, this New Beginnings reboot, it's boring, but, like, I love it. Like, do I think it's good? No. Am I, like, is totally into it? Yes. I mean, I feel like if you're around our age, like, if you're a millennial, you're just going to have that nostalgia for the Hills anyway, because it was really like the kind of reality show of our generation in many ways. And it was at the start of that whole reality boom. So we all have kind of like a fondness for it that, you know, seeing the people back is a lot of fun, but the show is not what it could be. Cause I feel like they could have like a Vanderpump rules type. I mean, look, no, nothing's going to be as good as Vanderpump rules. Cause that's just like the, the top tier of like television, but they could have a much better show. But if you listen to Heidi and Spencer's podcast, like I listened, they did a recap of the premiere and they said that, Oh my God, you guys, they spill so much tea. I don't know how MTV are letting them even put this podcast out. They break the fourth wall. They accuse people of being fake on camera and not, you know, bringing their real lives and storylines and they name names. So I feel like people are holding back. I feel like Heidi and Spencer are the only ones that are like really putting it out there and being real. Like I watched episode two last night, right? And we saw Heidi and Spencer getting really drunk and you could see the beginnings of this is such a reality cliche storyline of, um, oh my God, so-and-so is drinking too much. Do they have a drinking problem? And it's like, no, Heidi and Spencer just, know, they know they're on a show. They're getting turned up and lit because they want like a scene. They want something to fucking happen. And now you guys are just such wet blankets. You're going to call them alcoholics. <laughs> Because, come on, what we have Whitney, who's so fucking boring. Audrina, oh. who only goes on dates with guys. Like, it just... <sighs> Audrina's... One of the biggest mistakes, right, is making Audrina the main girl because she wasn't even interesting on the original Hills. Like, she was boring on the OG Hills, let alone making her the Lauren or the Kristen. Like, Did you watch her spinoff show? No, but I know all about oh, it. Oh, it was so bad. It was, well, it was so her bad. mom carrying it. Her mom it? was the star because yeah. her mom was a drunken. Her mom was a real alcoholic. Do you remember that time when her mom yes. would like go to TMZ and be like, "Fuck Lauren Conrad, my yes, baby's iconic. a star," and it's like, "Oh my!" And then she'd be like, "Come inside. What do you do?" I'm telling these motherfuckers that Lauren is a bitch. I know. Classic it's- pop culture. We, I mean, of course we know that, like word for word verbatim. But yeah, there's there's a lot of mistakes with the show. And I think pe- certain people aren't putting their real lives out there. And it's frustrating because I can see the potential in it. Like, do I still love it? Yes. But I was, um, I was watching it last night and I was posting on my Instagram stories. And when they had that scene of Audrina and Whitney sitting down for lunch or whatever, I'm like, this is so fucking boring. boring. And they were just showing them going, wow, the world's changed so much from COVID. It's nice to be out. It's like, are you actually using your airtime to, to put this out there when you must have so much other 
stuff that's going on. And I think it's ironic that Heidi and Spencer have always sort of been known as like the, the fame whores and the fake ones. And they're the only ones that are like keeping it real and like putting it out there on this show. Like they're trying to bleed for this show and no one else will. No, I mean, that's exactly what it is. I mean, you can see that like Whitney can't even do a successful product placement promotion when she had to do the fucking crest white strips or whatever it was see i can't, i don't even remember the product because it was so bad she was in her her bathroom and she's like putting on something and she's like awkward and then she kind of like looks at the camera like is that good and whoever edited that and let that scene like play out the way it did or whoever shot that and like didn't reshoot it like usually you take four or five different shots in different angles like it was so bad and you can just tell that like that's the level of effort they're willing to give like Audrina's like I'll go on a date and Whitney's like I'll go to lunch and like that's and they're doing it because they're like well what I need the paycheck I need to promote my swimwear line or whatever the fuck it is like the only other great couple and i think you'll agree with this is adding jason and ashley waller into the mix which they didn't even add last season last season they had fucking frankie in the opening credits and i'm like what is frankie frankie's still in the opening credits i'm like what does he bring to the show ashley waller deserves to like reign supreme like she carried season one Oh my God. I I 100% agree. I love Jason and Ashley. I even posted last night. I was like filming while I was watching and I'm like, Jason and Ashley, the only other interesting couple besides Spidey, I feel like they need to clean house. You know, I wanted to like Brandon because I'm a huge Pam Anderson fan. Like I love Pamela Anderson, follow her career very closely, but I've really gone off him, especially after I heard the Spidey podcast where they said that he's completely fake on the show. Okay, can you mention that? Because the podcast was really good. Can you give a little context to what they revealed about Brandon? Oh, um... I can't remember. They they just said that he was fake. That he he's was not brought was- on. He was originally brought on the oh. show to be Audrina's love interest, and then never ended up hitting on her. He was supposed to be like doing a cockfight with with Justin Bobby to see who was going to win over Audrina, and that's why he was cast on the show. And never yes, I forgot ball. that. Yeah, and apparently there were Brody and Justin Bobby had actually legitimately been fighting over Audrina, which is bizarre to me because I thought it was all fake. But um, that that happened when they were filming, like the first round of filming before COVID put production on hold. And then they just started refilming a new season and they haven't even like continued on from that, which is such a bad idea. But look, I feel like to fix this show, keep Spidey, obviously, keep Jason and Ashley, they're fantastic. Maybe keep Brody just because he, I mean, I am not liking him on this at all, but I feel like you can i actually think he's so ugly with his new hair his permed hair hate the hair but he's hot the shower scene we got opening the new season come on tell me you didn't get like semi-hard watching i'm not i i get hard over spencer only i only have eyes for spencer everyone else can just go to hell um and i think we need Kristen back which i'm not one of these people that's like this huge Kristen stand that's like oh my god she's like the best thing ever but like you fucking need Kristen because you need that you need that female figure of the hills and like audrina can't do it Lauren's obviously not like who else is there and even like Heidi who's amazing like she's not that girl she's more of like the foil or the you know what I mean like she's, she's the not antagonist the yeah and she's the antagonist protagonist yes so you need like you need Kristen back so I feel like if they just have Kristen then Spidey Jason and Ashley Brody maybe I don't know you can get a good cast like I actually am shocked that they haven't been able to find more outrageous characters for this because uh, I would think there would be a bunch of 30 somethings in LA that are like semi-famous that would kill to be on like 
a hot reality show and having fights and drama. Like, what is going on? Stephanie Pratt was also a great addition to the show. And losing her was a big mistake. Misha Barton was the biggest flop ever. But I don't think anybody predicted her to be any good. I mean, did you have high expectations for her? For the not. The novelty factor of having Misha was cool, but again, she was fake on the show. She wasn't Boring. willing to to show what was going on. I would love to know what happened with Stephanie because I don't know if Stephanie walked away herself or she if- did. She walked away. I think she she talked about it in a few interviews that her. What I mean, if you think about it, she doesn't need the show. She has a huge life, you know, in in Europe that like she didn't need to come back to the U.S. to really do this. And the beef that she had with her brother and Heidi, like it just it wasn't. It's pretty toxic with what how it went recently with her like body shaming them on Instagram. Yeah. Story. I was like, what are you doing, girl? But I mean, that would be good TV if we had that. Like I can dream up the cast in my head of like, oh my God, if we just get these people, like it's going to go off. And, and I also feel like they need to do it more like a housewives show where it's like, honey, if you're not bringing it, you're a friend of the show. Like you're not getting solo stuff like Audrina. If you can't fucking bring it, then we're just going to have you in the fucking background at a few events. Like you're not getting like whole solo storylines of you going on dates with like random men that no one cares about. And like, I get it season one because this was bringing us all back together. We wanted the full cast. But now it's like, there's no reason to give Audrina and Whitney an opening credit. Mm, 100%. Especially Whitney. Oh, my God. And Frankie. Why does Frankie still have a fucking opening credit? It's like they, I don't know, they don't know what they're doing. I would, I'm so curious to see if they're actually going to bring it back. I would love to know the ratings. I would love to know the engagement. Like, maybe if they're not paying them that much, maybe it's easy to have the show on the air. Maybe. I mean, I'm curious to see how it's going to play. Obviously, they're trying to bring back villain Spidey. They are totally foreshadowing that. You see it in the trailer. Like, they're trying to bring it back. It's like evil Spidey is, you know, in full flesh. But in order for evil Spidey to work, you need somebody to play ball with them. You know, it can't just be like, oh, because then it'll look like the last season, like the, the, the tail end of the final season of the original series where you had Kristen carrying the show. And then they were like, Heidi and Spencer are too toxic. And then they were able to write them off because none of the other cast wanted to film with them. I think Kristen would have continued to film with them had the rest of the cast not been willing not not wanted to disengage number one and number two had there not been the drama with the producers that they were facing too well this is this is going to backfire because they're going to do um they're going to do villain spidey and everyone watching is going to be like oh my god we love it because heidi and spencer are the only ones like bringing anything to this show like it's just people are just going to love heidi and spencer on it because the people that are watching like we want drama so i mean who's watching for audrina like please No one cares about her swimwear. Who's watching for Whitney has brought zero to the show. She doesn't even give interesting confessionals. She doesn't give interesting interviews like nothing. What are your thoughts on Caitlin? Um, I feel like Caitlin has potential. She has a lot of potential. Yeah. Yeah. But where is it? Like what's going on? Like, I don't understand why she's not bringing it. Also, isn't it interesting how they couldn't mention Miley Cyrus by name? They just kept saying she had like an affair, but they wouldn't say Miley's name. I'm like, did Miley, Miley might've made her sign an NDA or something before they went down on each other. So she can't talk publicly. Probably, but you would think even Spencer or Brody would bring up Miley. But the fact that they don't is probably MTV trying to not burn their relationship with Miley Cyrus, which is so obvious at this point. Yeah. Um, 
I was, I love that Spencer and Heidi on their podcast talked about how Brody felt like Caitlyn cheated on him with Miley and how that was such a big miss in that storyline. And boy, and then Brody's not bringing it up. That's like Brody's pissing me off because the hair for I can't get over the hair. I do not understand it's why bad. he grew that hair out to a shoulder length perm. Like it's insane. And yeah, he's boring. Like, no. Oh, I'm just I can't. And just be real. I don't understand why these people like it's not easy to get on a reality show, especially one with an iconic legacy like The Hills. It's already kind of guaranteed that it's going to be somewhat of a hit because it's already got an audience. People love it. Like this is, is if you rank all the reality shows, it's like one of the most iconic. So why wouldn't you want to come into this show and just be like, I'm just going to give it all I've got. Like when you see new people come into Vanderpump Rules, they're like hungry for it and they're like I'm putting it all out there like let's go and the hills is like the complete opposite and I know that Heidi and Spencer get so frustrated about it because they they mean they talk about it in interviews and stuff they're like why why aren't you guys like bringing it like what's going on I think the difference between that and Vanderpump Rules is like you said there's already an engaged audience they don't need Audrina doesn't need to bring it because she knows they're gonna pay her regardless Brody doesn't Mm. need to bring it he was the last one to sign on to the show and they begged him to join the show because they needed him so he knows I can be here and I don't have to try whereas the new people on Vanderpump are hungry for it they want it they want to be the Stassi the Jax the Lala the breakout star and they have to fight for that spot especially because on Vanderpump you have eight other people that are competing for the top spot yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Oh, I don't know, but look, as much as we're shitting on it, I do still love it. Like, no, it it's is the hills. good. It's good. It's good. It's iconic. It's pop culture. It's nostalgic. Um, there are just so many. There's so much room for improvement and so much potential that I highly doubt the producers are listening to this. But if they are, take this with a grain of salt because there's a lot of potential that we can really do with this show. I look forward to Kristen's cameo, but I feel like it's going to be anticlimactic. It'll be great to see Kristen. And so you'll have a climax watching it just to have her back on. But I don't think it's going to be as exciting as we are hoping it will be. Oh, it's going to be one scene of like, hey guys. And, you know, like sit down, she'll have like a, you know, good one liner or whatever. And then that'll be it. Like that's, she has, <laughs> that'll two, be se- she has two scenes, which I was surprised. Oh. I thought she was only doing one, but I think she has one with either Heidi or Audrina. And then she has one with Brody. Oh, I will. <laughs> Fuck. Well, I hope that what they're doing is like laying the foundation of like we're having a Kristen fronted season three because you know what? That's probably the only thing that's going to get it picked up for a third season yeah. is if Kristen's like, I'll, I'll front the show because otherwise, but then you know what? Even if Kristen does join it, they might have burned through all their goodwill with the first two seasons because it's like people might be like, look, we gave you like two shots. Like we tuned into like season one and two and you guys didn't deliver. It doesn't, you could fucking bring Lauren Conrad back for season three and we're still not watching because we just don't trust this brand anymore. So no, we'll see. I think the Kristen cameo is going to be probably the final nail in the coffin because then we would have already seen what Kristen would have brought to the table. And even if she brings it for the third season at that point, the brand, like you said, is already tarnished. Mm. Yeah, it's a shame. We'll see. I mean, I love Spidey. Spidey deserves their reality TV fame. They deserve this. They deserve the show to continue to get picked up. I don't think they would ever be successful with their own spinoff, but they're great in the ensemble cast and they're great as the as the antagonist. 
they need to be on the housewives and it hasn't happened yet. I mean, they would be perfect for the housewives of OC, although I know that they live in, I think they live in Malibu or something. So, but I mean, they would kill it on a real housewives show because like Spencer would just be like stirring the pot. And I think Heidi knows how to bring it. And she knows how to like, Heidi is really great because she knows how to be like vulnerable and she has that such a sweet side, but she knows how to bring it with drama and to be outspoken. Like, please get Spidey on Housewives if the Hills doesn't work out. Yeah, they will bring it for sure. So we talked about Spidey being the villains. I want to talk to you about this list that Reality Blur put out about the the top 10 biggest villains on Real Housewives. Have you had a chance to go through this yet? If not, we'll go through it together. Yeah, I had a quick look before we started recording and it's so funny because I'm not even exaggerating. Maybe like eight out of the 10 are like my favorite housewives. Like this may have been a best housewives list. Right, because the ones like, yes, Kyle is technically the queen of Beverly Hills, but like what is Kyle really brought to Beverly Hills that would earn her like an iconic role other than being the only OG left on the show? Yeah, although I have changed my tune with Kyle I've actually really I used to be the biggest Kyle hater like I was so hated Kyle and Lisa Vanderpump and Kyle now has really grown on me and I really do see her as that queen of the show like she is the connector like she keeps everyone together and I I had Carlos King the producer on my podcast a while ago and he his his read on Kyle was that um she just there's very subtle ways that she knows how to keep the show going and keep the that the, the audience may not even recognize like he even felt that with the reunion with Garcelle and Kyle when she brought up the charity thing um and he was sort of on Kyle's side like he was cheering on Kyle for doing that and he just felt like yeah Kyle knows how to like you know find her moment and and make something happen even if she has to like make herself look bad at times She's not a bad reality star and like you and I agree she probably is the queen of Beverly Hills currently but she's not going to go down as one of the most memorable housewives of all time. No, she won't. Lisa, well Brandy Glanville, I I, I actually think Brandy and Lisa Vanderpump are probably the two from Beverly yeah, Hills. For sure. The, the fact that they yeah. burned Brandy so bad, I'm still I'm still bitter about it, but let's go through this list. Okay, so starting at the bottom of the list, we have Leanne Locken from Real Housewives of Dallas. Obviously, we know she had her beef with Carrie in her final season. They called her racist. The whole cast kind of, you know, really st- like stepped away and let her burn. And then she says that on her accord, she left the show. Some of the other women say that she was fired. What do you think of Leanne Locken on Dallas? Uh, I've done a big turn on Leanne. Like I was a fan of her at the start. And then by the time she left the show, I felt like, you know what? It's time for her to go. Cause she's such a huge presence. I'm like, let's take her out and see how the other relationships go. And then I'm like, oh, wow, we need Leanne back. Like fucking hell. Cause this show has just jumped the shark without her. It's you need Leanne. I had Leanne on my podcast. I think she's fantastic. I think she's such an interesting person. I spoke to her about the racism thing and her PR did not want me to bring it up too much and but we had a really good conversation about it and I really do think that she um I don't think she was purposely being racist honestly guys can get mad for me saying that I think it was just a bit tone deaf 
and she didn't realize how with the anger in which she was projecting how it yeah. how it read and i also think that she was kind of vindicated with the season after because then everyone was like oh my god carrie's so annoying carrie's so annoying like she pokes at people she does all this stuff and then you're like oh you can see now if you look back that carrie probably was poking at leanne and that producers had told her to and then with leanne's personality which is unhinged and she'll admit it she'll admit that she's you know total cuckoo you can see how leanne like got to that place so i feel like and i also feel like leanne was absolutely right about everything she said about deandra i see deandra as the true villain of the real housewives of dallas and i think that deandra has a lot of people fooled i think deandra ran leanne off the show so for me this recent season vindicated leanne in my eyes gave me a newfound appreciation for her i think she's much happier off the show um I, if I was her, I, w- I don't even know if I'd come back. I don't even know if it's worth it because it's just, it's awful. The brand itself is so tarnished with Dallas that it's like, it's not even worth it at this point. Like, I don't even know if they would bring, if it's even worth bringing it back for a sixth season. Like, you have Brandy and Tiffany Moon who are begging to get out. You have Carrie who's insufferable to watch. Not even her divorce is interesting enough for people to want to tune in. Deandra really is the the wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, mm. and, and, like, her and her mother, like, you can tell that they're the issue with Dallas, you know, Dallas as a city with the hierarchy and the women and all like, you can just tell like they're the, they're part of the problem more than they're part of any sort of progressive solution in that city. And then Cam, I think at this point has really shot herself in the foot with her family and coming after Tiffany moon and who's left Stephanie. That's not interesting. I know. And you know what, with the Cameron thing. So look, I'm always a contrarian. I always defend the problematic person. I own it. I usually think that a lot of these scandals are overblown. I defended Cameron in the beginning because you know what, this whole chicken feet thing, I actually do think that was a setup, but I don't think that was Tiffany setting it up. I think that was producers because they just wanted, they wanted to put the redneck Texas women in and up. Like most people don't want to eat fucking chicken feet, but they knew how it would read on camera. Yeah. And Tiffany wasn't, savvy enough on tv yeah, to play that out tiffany didn't know they were doing that to her so tiffany wasn't but i kind of actually understand why the women were getting on eggshells about it but then it's like so yeah when i think cameron was you know unfairly i'll defend her but then when it got to the twitter stuff it went too far like it was so tone deaf and just in like a cringy way like i think she was saying the the clown face was um white, white face. face is that white face i'm just like, oh my god you're so dumb like it's not even that i found it that offensive it was just stupid and tone deaf and she just had no idea and then when like I think that where it really crossed the line for me was the um tagging the hospital I'm like that you can't fucking do that like when court or whatever it was or I don't know who it was was his brother oh yeah fucking one of the Westcott's came in when they tagged (laughs) Tiffany's business and they said she was like she could be operating drunk or treating patients while she was drunk that was so far beyond like crossing the line um so yeah i don't know how and now it's like obviously i mean this is like the worst timing like you really want to get in a racism controversy in the middle of the stop asian hate movement like against an asian castmate worst time and you're the white person yeah so i feel like she probably will i don't know yeah but she is also she's like one of the only like kind of interesting characters they have on the show because she is so quirky but then it's also like we have got to the end of her 
storyline a bit. It's a little bit like Alexis Bellino where she's such a character, but then it's sort of like by the end of the run, you're like, well, how much more of you can we see? We've got kind of got to the end of this. So fuck, I don't know what they're going to do with Dallas. Like who, who is going to be entertaining on Dallas? I think they should get rid of Dallas and they should get rid of OC. Like at some point you need to know when to to fold, you know what I mean. I love OC. I disagree. I'm a big I do OC too. Defender. But I th- at some point, you need to know when it's had a good run and pushing it. Like I don't know if they can revamp it in a way that would make it good again to where it was classic. Like at some point, it runs its course. At some point, Cam has run her course and she's done. You know what I mean? I mean, and I think OC has run its course, and all they can do at this point is completely recast it. And I don't think that's going to help the franchise. If anything, I think that. It's going to continue to make it worse. I disagree about OC. I thought last season was amazing. See, that's why my podcast is unpopular because <laughs> I always have the opinion no one else has. I, I thought it. that, okay, first of all, it was the first season that aired with the uh, pandemic thing. So I think people have given the other shows a little bit more grace of like, oh, well, they were filming in a pandemic, whereas no one gave that to OC. And OC, OC copped it the worst because they started production, then the pandemic hit, then it was like they had to sell film in a way that the other franchises didn't have to do. Um, I thought that the last season of OC was very real. It was a lot more real than the other shows. It took me back to the early OC where we were focusing on people's individual stories and just things going on in their lives because they couldn't film as many group scenes. I thought it was very authentic. I thought... Bronwyn was fascinating just with what a fucking train wreck she was. The whole Bronwyn extravaganza with everything going on. I loved it. I think Kelly's fantastic. I love Gina and Emily. Like I love OC and I'm excited for it to come back and I will die on that hill. (laughs) I enjoyed, I am with you in the unpopular opinion of like I, and I've said this on the show, I enjoyed this most recent season of OC um, just because I think there is a level of grace you have to give just production and editing and the women like, you know, it's nobody was prepared for that to happen that like, you know, mm-hmm. you need to give some sort of grace. But I just feel like there's such a high expectation with the majority of the fans at this point that I don't know if there's a way to ever meet that satiation that they're looking for. The fans are ruining the housewives for I mean, they the really fans are. are awful. I say it all that's no offense. I mean, look, I know you guys listening are amazing. My listeners are amazing, but like I, even though we're all fans, we can also agree that the fans are the worst. And they kind of like they social get, media is ruining the housewives. No, I agree. Thoughts on Phaedra and Danielle. Phaedra from Atlanta, Danielle from New Jersey. Those are the next two on the list. Uh, Phaedra, absolutely not. What she did, I'm a big Candy fan and I, you've got to have a certain line somewhere and the fact that even Portia got away with it. And by the way, I have been saying for years that Portia is the worst, so calculated, so fake, everything she does, like she's awful. And now with this recent scandal with her running off with Fallon's man or whatever, people are like, oh my God, Portia's so shady. It's like, yeah, we've been telling you since she, you know, the tried game. to accuse Candy of, you know, rape and then got away with it Phaedra completely crossed the line so for me she's just a a no-go I wouldn't be against putting her on another show but I feel like with Atlanta the that bridge is burned as far as Danielle Danielle is a superstar um yes she's toxic yes it's like she's on another planet but she's one like she for me is the quintessential housewives villain she's the original housewives villain she 
is just she I just think she's so incredible <laughs> like she was the only reason I was watching the last few seasons of New Jersey like when Danielle wasn't on the screen I'm like I don't care and yes I would like Danielle was usually like in the wrong a lot of the time of course because she's psychotic but who better to watch than Danielle love her like her you, you must have watched her Instagram recaps of yeah. Jersey it's better than the show well so it's like, and you said you made this point earlier about the fans. It's like if we went to watch Batman and Robin and we're like, we need to fire the Joker. The Joker <laughs> is too much. We need to fight. Like, it's too much. It's like, you can't fire the fucking Joker. That's the antagonist. That's what we're not watching these shows just to see the affluence or to see everybody getting along. Like the Joker brings something. You don't have to like the Joker in the way of like, you think that, you know, they're going to be praising Jesus at the end of the day, you know, you can just see that like they bring a piece of the formula that makes the recipe successful. And what upset me with Danielle was too, she should have been full-time on that season where she got married because she was on that season so much and she had so much going on. It was like, how is she not full-time? Like, I want to see more of her home life and her relationship with Marty at that point. And then with the way that she went out, they did her so dirty with Teresa telling her to pull the hair and stuff and then having, because everyone knows, oh, we can't piss off Teresa too much because we need her for the show. They all piled on Danielle and they kind of just let Teresa get off. And Teresa just threw Danielle under the bus which was so shady and that kind of yeah that was so wrong to have Danielle go out like that with how much she brought to that show in terms of storyline and drama and stuff and then to have Teresa continually get away with it it's just maddening yeah Danielle would throw herself into the fire and allowed herself to get burned for the sake of the show and they burned her and they did the mm. same thing to Brandy Glanville so I'm gonna read the last few on the and list Camille. and then we can break yeah and Camille so the next one is Brandy then it's Kelly Dodd from OC Candace from Potomac Aviva from New York Kenya Moore from Atlanta, Lisa Rinna from Beverly Hills, which I'm surprised she's so high on this list. And then the final one at number one is Tamara Judge. I don't know if I agree with Tamara and Lisa Rinna being at the top of the list. Um, Obviously, I know you love Brandy. I love Brandy, too, for so many different reasons. Unpopular opinion. I actually don't hate Kelly Dodd and don't think we should fire Kelly Dodd. Oh, I love um, Kelly. <laughs> I know everyone hates Kelly Dodd. I like, for me, my argument for Kelly Dodd is that like she is the quintessential Real Housewives of Orange County woman. She's conservative. She's opinionated. She's, you know, she has money. But like, you know, that's what, like if you're going to bring someone from OC, you can't just bring them on because they agree with you politically like you bring them on because that's the representation they are of that city and i think kelly is a great antagonist she's a great reality star and she represents oc and that's always afraid been, to own it that's always been my argument for it like you watch oc because you want to get a glimpse into that like oc republican lifestyle just in the same way you watch atlanta like why is it okay with atlanta to watch them go to the democratic convention and to go to black lives matter protests and stuff but then like yes you could whatever make your political argument for which one is you know more valid or whatever which is like fine but i mean it's a reality show about real life and real life people 
people in the OC are conservative. They're Republican. They have these views. Like, get get the fuck over it. Kelly is also a fantastic reality star. Um, and that's what has always made um, the Real Housewives of OC so interesting to me. And I don't think that they're going to fire Kelly Dodd because I think they Bravo recognises how great she is for the show and i think she has a big i think that a lot of the conservative bravo viewers would actually take it as a personal slight against them to have kelly dodd removed um especially when you're keeping people on other shows that are like hitting like physically assaulting people and stuff but then it's like you're gonna take kelly dodd off for being you know offensive or tone deaf or whatever like that's just unfair. Um, and the other people on the list, I mean, Tamara's my all-time favourite housewife. <laughs> I adore Tamara. I think she's incredible. I think she's the best housewife along with maybe like Bethany Frankel and Teresa I hate, but I recognise what she brings to the show. Yeah. So, and Tamara is the blueprint. Like, Tamara made the Housewives franchise what it is today. They never brought Tamara on. I don't even know if we would still have a Housewives show because she recognised that there needed to be drama and that there needed to be sort of these alliances and storylines, and I don't know if the Housewives franchise would have got to what it is. Um, Kenya Moore on the list, fantastic. Kenya is one of my all-time favourites, and that one season where they didn't bring Kenya back was shocking. It was so boring. Like, I don't think there's an Atlanta without Kenya. Um, I mean, (laughs) how do you feel about these girls? I'm sorry. I'm just going through them all, Um, firing off. I think Aviva is the only one on this list that I think is unworthy of being on the list, only because, like, aside from her having her leg-throwing moment, I don't think she brought anything to the show. Like... I, I mean, writer girl, okay, that was a cute scene, but I don't know. I don't think she's top 10 worthy, whether it's best, worst, or whatever. I'm indifferent to Aviva, so I thought that was a bit of a mess. Lisa Rinna, I don't know if I would consider her a villain. I think she's great at pushing forward. It's so interesting because all of these are the ones that, like, are the most talked about. Brandy Glanville is the most talked about. Lisa Rinna, Tamara, like, these are the women, Kenya Moore, that are the most... Twitter buzzworthy, yeah. Kelly Dodd. Um, and it's like the shows wouldn't be what they are now without these women. And you kind of have to acknowledge that. And again, it goes back to my my example with the Joker. It's like you can't be you can't fire the Joker from the Batman series because that's just the way the formula works. You can't fire the penguin. You can kill them off and then they come back. But like, you know, it just it kills the entire premise. Well, I was talking about Lisa Rinna with someone and uh, I think it was about the same with Garcelle where she brought up Denise and they were like, um, Rinna's such a terrible friend. She throws everyone under the bus. I'm like, what did she say that wasn't true? She said Lisa Vanderpump was being manipulative behind the scenes and yeah. stir, and which is, we all know it's a fact. Like if you, if you don't think Lisa was doing that, you're delusional. So she called that right. She called out Kim Richards for still being an alcoholic and a God knows what else. Nothing she said about Kim Richards wasn't true. It was all true. Like, um, and Denise, Denise was lying on the show, like re- repeatedly and had been bitching about the women behind their backs and then thinking, so that's how the show works, Denise. Like you're talking shit about someone, it gets back to them. You, it's like the show is conflict resolution, but Denise didn't want to own anything and was just hiding all of this stuff. So, I mean, nothing Lisa Rinna said was untrue. So I don't even understand how people can say she, she's really a villain because it's she didn't attack Eileen. She didn't attack like there are plenty of nice housewives on there that like weren't doing anything shady and haven't been dragged. 
Well, even with the Kim Richards stuff, because I feel like that's I would I feel like the two biggest villain moments that people can crucify Rinna for are Kim Richards, because that's a sensitive subject. And the other one would probably be Yolanda with Munchausen. But with Kim Richards, which one of the women on that show didn't exploit Kim's addiction in the seasons prior? Kyle outed her sister in the season one finale. Every season after that, Lisa Vanderpump was like, where's Kim? Oh my goodness. Is Kim missing again? Is Kim late again? Like they were all (laughs) exploiting it like to, you know, and that's just what it was. Like the first seasons of Beverly Hills were so dark. Taylor Armstrong's husband committing suicide. Kim Richards addiction, like, and now all of a sudden, you know, Lisa Rinna repeats that Kyle and Lisa Vanderpump think that Yolanda has Munchausen. And now that makes her the villain. You know, it doesn't make sense. And they they both set Lisa Rinna up for that because they yeah. were more seasoned. So they knew how it was work. They all talked off camera. Let's bring it up. And then when they let Lisa, I mean, Lisa was right when she went, wait, I now I've been hung out to dry and I've been set up with it. Like, so she completely got thrown under the bus. So, you know, I love Lisa Rinna. And I've had my moments of her infuriating me because I was a Kim fan. You know, like we get caught up at the time, but then when you look back with more of a clear head, you see things in a different light. Just like when I started watching Beverly Hills, I, I was that Lisa Vanderpump fan, like in those early days, like I think we all kind of were. And then you go back and you're like, oh, wow. Like you just, it's clear as day, like what she was doing. Oh yeah. 100%. Jacques, thank you so much for chatting with me today. We went so long. We went over an hour. This is like one of the longest episodes I've had. And I'm so excited (laughs) to share it with you because you have such hot takes and opinions that you are unafraid to deliver whether i agree with them or not this is hashtag no filter and i appreciate that you had no filter this episode yeah well thank you so much for having me on like you know i love your show and this was this was so fun (laughs) i i think we agreed a lot more than we i mean i don't think there was anything aside from thinking brody was really hot that you completely disagreed with i think for the most part we had some very unpopular opinions together that we're going to get a lot of comments for. So get ready. I know that I have another problematic gay to hang out with. So I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, where can people follow you and where can they listen to your podcast? Uh, it's unpopular with Jacques Peterson. It's on obviously all the podcast apps. Um, you can find me at unpopular JP on Instagram and Twitter. Look, you guys, I cover the housewives. I cover a lot of other stuff. I do hot topics. I talk about cancel culture. Um, you know, I love uh, Danny Pellegrino. He's a friend of mine, but I always yes. say it's like, I'm kind of like the opposite of Danny Pellegrino because he's so nice and sweet and I'm not that. So that's what you're going to get from me. So be warned, but yeah, you can unpopular with shark Peterson. Check it out, please. I love that. Go listen and subscribe to Unpopular with Jacques Peterson and listen to hashtag new filter with Zach Peter. Give us five star reviews because we love valid. I love validation. I don't know about you, Jacques, but I want I want them to give me all the validation. You guys can give me a follow at Just Plain Zach or follow the show at No Filter with Zach. My new wine, my housewives watching wine is on sale June 10th. So you can go to nofilterwine.com, order the wine. It'll be shipped directly to your door. It's a yum, light, fizzy rosé. Less than a gram of sugar, organic, lower in sulfite, so and but still 12.8% alcohol. So you're going to get lit, but you're not going to have a terrible hangover the next day. And I designed it just for you. All right. Love you guys. Talk to you this Wednesday. I have Ryan Bailey on the show and we're talking all about Beverly Hills. So get ready. It's going to be juicy. All right, guys. Bye.
Yay, thank you.